Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have here with me, as always, uh, our co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Parker. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to you. Uh, and I'm just, just wading through the Sunday scaries uh, before I go back to work tomorrow morning. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell whether I'm going to make a joke here about never having the Sunday scaries because I'm a grad student and my life is a joke, or if I always have the Sunday scaries because I'm a grad student and my life is a joke. So uh, pick pick whichever one's funnier and pretend I said that. Yeah, that works. Um, no, it's been good. <laughs> had, the, had the week off work, saw family. Uh, I know you're with uh, your wife's family, right? Everything good? You having a, having a good time? We're hunkered down with the in-laws. We are uh, hanging out. We've we've had some beer. We've had some pie. We've watched some football. It's been a it's been a pretty good, uh, low key Thanksgiving. So we're we're very grateful for good. that. Good. Any uh any games in particular you wanna you wanna talk about? I know there are some interesting ones um, around the country this weekend. Yeah, man, I watched I watched a ton of football. I watched probably more football this weekend than I have any other weekend of the of the season, which is. Uh, to say a lot. So, I mean, I watched, I watched every snap of Notre Dame, North Carolina on Friday, which turned into a, a very, it kind of turned into a boring blowout in the second half, which I thought was interesting. It was like 17, nothing. And then Notre Dame just said, Oh yeah, you guys aren't playing offense anymore. Yeah. That was the weird thing. So I watched the first half of that game and then um, I didn't really watch the second, but you're right. It did seem like Carolina came out hot and then man alive. Uh, I, I still don't trust Ian book. Um, but that Notre Dame defense is stingy and uh, they're, they're very impressive against a really good Carolina offense. Definitely. And, that, and that's kind of always the lingering question. And I think Ian book will be at the Heisman ceremony this year. I think that's one of those, which, you, which, you which is it. a travesty, uh, which is, it's not good. I, I don't know that he belongs there. Is he one of the top three best players in college football? I think it'll be bigger this year. Honestly, I think a running back okay. will get invited. Okay, then let me even ask you this. Is he one of the top five most outstanding players in college football? No, absolutely not. But it's a Okay. Well, but but that that the award is is all celebrity. So I think I think he's earned it just with the Clemson win. Um, under the terms of of what they are. But I I can't decide if he's good. I could see him going, you know, in the sixth round and being a competent starter in the NFL. I could also see him going in like the third round and being a bust and that everyone laughs at. I have I have no idea what to do with Ian Book. I, okay. Kellen Mond beat Florida. Should Kellen Mond be at the Heisman ceremony? Well, no, because Kellen Mond is demonstrably bad. Ian Book is at least. Uh, <laughs> I know, but, but uh, Ian, Ian Book is I bad mean, with a high. The, the 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 error bars are wide for for Ian Book. I think. Well, speaking of teams with two quarterbacks that have wide error bars, I know there's a game you wanted to talk about that happened at the Big Twelve. Yeah. Okay. Iowa State beat How's Texas. How's that for a segue? Yeah. Uh, Iowa State beat Texas in maybe like the weirdest. I, I, okay, one, I nailed this game. I called it. I had Iowa State by four. Felt really, really good about that. Uh, the model is, is getting finely tuned and pretty soon I'm going to start selling these picks because, man, we're making money over here. So um, I don't think I believed that Iowa State would win. I don't think I believed that Iowa State would win up to the very second that uh, Dicker the Kicker's field goal for Texas went wide and Texas fired the fireworks. And so uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Brock Purdy's bad. I think I think we decisively saying that Brock Purdy has had a very, very bad year. And 
Iowa State outside of that is just playing good defense and and trying to be consistent on offense. And there are worse, I mean, there are worse ways to win, you know? There are. And if Brock Purdy is bad, then Parker, I ask, what does that make Sam Ellinger? Is Sam Ellinger going to opt out? I, I saw that Kerstetter is going to potentially opt out and Samuel Cosme is going to opt out. Cosme, yeah. People are, people are hopping off the ship there, which, uh, I mean, I would. So before we talk about that narrative, I'm going to head myself off. Matt Campbell punted on fourth and two down mm-hmm. four with four minutes left from like the Texas 48, which was just a terribly, terribly unnecessary conservative call. Just shocking to me that um, that's even controversial that he like that, that. That's even a question right there. I just don't understand a world where, hey, we only have four minutes left. Texas has been moving the ball. We're going to punt it to them especially if he was uh, auditioning for the Texas job at that point. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where it, it came back and it didn't hurt Iowa state because they won the game, but objectively that is a bad call. I agree. Right. Well, uh, it, I, and, it's, I, and it's all, it's all behind yeah. the veil of ignorance, right? I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too esoteric. No, no, no. no. I, I, I took a here, political but... science philosophy class. What that's uh, don't tell me that's not Rawls. Is it? It is, it is John Rawls. Yeah. Okay. And so we're behind the veil of ignorance. You you shouldn't punt that. Um, just just objectively, I think that's silly. I don't even think that's like a hashtag analytics or ruining the game, whatever. It's like, hey, man, let's compare the potential outcomes there and say, which one do we want? And you clearly want to go for it. So uh, just kind of silly there. Uh, overall, not like an amazing game. I mean, Purdy was no. 25 of 36 for 312 with a touchdown. Sam Ellinger threw for 298. Um, Base stats, yeah. that's not bad for Purdy, especially no. in that offense. 25 or 36, 312 at a touchdown. That's not terrible. I mean, no. it was fine. He's fine. He, I, I, I mean, relative to the rest of his year, that was actually pretty good. That's probably, without looking, I would say that's probably one of his better games of the year. That that the TCU game, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think the most interesting thing here now is in the Big 12 – Iowa State looks to sneak into the uh, the Big Twelve Championship. They've got to they've got to win out, and then they can sneak into the Big Twelve Championship. But, uh, I think more importantly, with Baylor winning, uh, Oklahoma is guaranteed to be in the Big Twelve Championship. Which they took two losses early on. It looked pretty crazy. Looked uncertain. Maybe somebody's going to dethrone them, but that is not the case. Uh, Oklahoma. I know is Iowa State more than likely going to win the Big Twelve Championship again. Yeah. They are. I know Iowa State is not the best team in the Big 12, but look, man, give them credit where credit is due. They're not going to sneak into the Big 12 title game. They're going to win the Big 12 regular season, most likely. That's, that is true. That's they, they fully, They fully deserve it. They I mean, have that's done what not they a need to win. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's so, not a technicality. It's not a four-way tiebreaker. They are going to outright belong in the, in the Big 12 championship game. So absolutely give them credit. I think it's amazing. I saw a stat today. I wish I could give credit, but I can't remember who did, who said this, but Brock Purdy has 18 conference wins. I think he's 18 and six against the Big 12 conference. And I went and looked up and the eight Iowa State teams before Brock Purdy have 17 wins combined. Jesus. Uh, in the conference. So just, I mean, just, just unprecedented levels of winning at Iowa state. Matt Campbell is um, excellent. He's done a great job getting them to invest in facilities. Uh, and so, so really impressive. I have no read on whether he'll leave or not. I, I would be inclined to think he would, and that's not to try and own Iowa state or, you know, to twist the knife on anyone. I just think there are bigger and 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 better jobs that he will go to. 
Uh, but if he stays or if he goes, the, the job he's done at Iowa State is just incredible. Even if, you know, next year he, he starts losing at Iowa State and the wheels fall off, just this kind of three to four year stint of getting the investment of facilities, winning some games has been really impressive. Yeah, and we talk about teams finding their window, right? We especially do it in terms of TCU, where if you're not one of the major powers in a conference, more than likely you're going to have cyclical wins. I was about to, I was about to say cyclical win cycles, but that didn't make sense. But you're going to have win cycles, right? You're going to be up a few years, down a few years, depending on recruiting. And Campbell has consistently, over the last three or four years, just continued to improve. And that's something that you don't do at – a lower level P five school, no offense to our friends and aims. Um, so yes, really, really impressed by Matt Campbell. Uh, any program that gets him is going to be extremely lucky. Um, it, and it's one of those things too, where, where any pro, if he does leave the program that gets him, will be getting a coach with power five experience. And listen, we don't like to talk bad about the G five, but I, I do believe that there is a market difference between, you know, stealing a coach from, not to pick on Tom Herman, but Houston or somewhere like USF or whatever, or, 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 all those schools and then picking a coach that has P5 experience at a program like Iowa State and then bringing them to the next level. I think that is a, a major, major, um, you know, feather in his cap. Definitely. And I have, I have uh, one, one note on this game. And then I want to talk about Texas because life is a gift and we should enjoy it. After mm-hmm. the game, Brees Hall uh, running back for Iowa State, uh, he, he said the phrase, it's uh, five star players versus five star culture. And I think yep. that's funny for, for a couple of reasons. One, it is uh, of of no, it, it is of never, it, it is a never-ending source of amusement to me that the best running back in the Big Twelve this year is some random person no one was talking about last year. It is not Chuba Hubbard. It is mm-hmm. not. It is just like it's all situational. It's all usage. Running backs are are largely uh, context dependent, and so that's funny to me that Brees Hall has a stardom. Uh, secondly, I think the phrase five-star culture over five-star players is hilarious coming from one of Iowa State's only blue-chip recruits. Brees Hall right. was a four-star. <laughs> yes. You're like, okay, buddy, <laughs> you weren't standing in the food line. Like, come on, you know. Uh, and so and so the, the point stands, and I think it's a good point. It's it's a lot like TCU, you know, we all we got, like that kind of stuff. And I, and I get it, bulletin board material, not a big deal, not picking on, you know, a 20-something-year-old kid. Just saying, it is funny that he's a four-star and stood up on the podium and said that. I, yeah. I'd be like if Rager said it when he was at TCU, it's like, you know, I'm standing here with all these bums and yet somehow we're atop the conference. It's a, uh, I yeah, mean, to be fair, very, very funny. Rager effectively said that. So, um, he, well, he, he said other things, but yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the important note here is, uh, Tom Herman's real gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's gone. So, uh, great. Absolutely. Gone. So more than anyone, you know, who is who has said repeatedly Tom Herman is not the guy for the University of Texas, and that Tom Herman's only accomplishment, his biggest accomplishment, is recruiting at Oliver. Me, I guess this guy. Yeah, both of us. I'm pointing my thumbs at both of us <laughs> what? Zoom because neither neither of us have said that Tom Herman is a good. It coach. has been the position of this podcast since its inception, <laughs> and perhaps before that. Tom Herman is not a good coach. Tom Herman is not a long-term solution for your football program, and we are seeing that manifest. What a roller coaster he's had this year. I mean, you think about Sam Ellinger standing by himself singing Eyes of Texas after um, 
after the Oklahoma loss, you think about all the, just the, the nonsense with Zach Smith and Tom Herman and the drama coming in. You think about the quarter uh, the coordinator turnover. That was effectively the kiss of death. You fire both of your coordinators and you're, you're effectively saying, if we can't fix this next year, we're, we're done. Um, and, and so all of that, I think has, has been indicative of this, like Tom Herman, he, he's going to get fired. He is. But, and that's the thing too, is I, I understand why he fired the coordinators because they weren't doing well. But on the other hand, maybe hire better coordinators for your first, you know, the first time around. I mean, it's indicative of his choice as a coordinator. Um, yeah, that is the kiss of death, but it's something that was understandable and yet preventable at the same time. Right. And like, so Tim Beck was not a good coordinator. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You know where Tim Beck is right now? No. Tim Beck is at NC State and they are fine. They're doing all right. They're doing fine. Sure. I'm just saying, just Tim, like Tim Texas, Beck, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. But fine at NC State is is that's fine. Like that's okay. That's good. Yeah, that's NC, what you want. It's NC State has been fine for 20 years. Uh, and so, I, I, yeah, I think I think uh, there's just there's just so many things that have gone wrong, and I think at every turn, Tom Herman has handled things poorly and made the wrong decisions and just doesn't really know how to run a program. So he, he's out. Um, so Grant, I have, I have two questions for you and then we should probably talk about TCU at some point this evening. Uh, Tom Herman, who do you think is the most likely or the best candidate to replace him? And that might be two questions, might give two answers. And then who's the funniest person who could plausibly replace him? Okay. I, I think the best candidate is Urban Meyer. And I think that's who they're going to try to get. Um, I think they're going to um, throw the bag at him. I think Urban would take the Texas job. It's a premier job, and he's really only had premier jobs. Um, I mean, Utah was a, a glorified G5 program. They're basically Power 5, and then Florida, Ohio State. and, and uh, So I, I think he's probably the best candidate for Texas and, and the most likely one that they'll chase. And that terrifies me because Urban Meyer, I don't like him, and I think he's a – he's uh, done some bad things, but he is an incredible college football coach and would be really, really scary to play against. Yeah. I think he absolutely has shown that he can build a program at a a variety of levels and a variety of situations. I think he knows the game of football, particularly the offensive side of things as well as anyone in the nation. And so, yes, that is, I, uh, I have heard through back channels that they have made an informal agreement and his answer is going to determine the timing of Tom Herman's, uh, excuse me, not an informal agreement, an informal inquiry. And his response and receptiveness is going to determine the timing of Tom Herman's firing because they'll either announce Urban immediately or they'll conduct a search. And that depends on when they'll, they'll say it. Do you... What, so I guess what Texas has one or two games left and then the bowl. Do you think there's any chance that they'd fire Herman before the... Uh, the end of the season? Because I, I kind of don't. I, I think they're going to let him ride it out. Unless El- no. if Ellinger bails, Herman's gone before the end of the season. If Ellinger opts out, think- Herman is Herman is gone uh, five minutes after that, for sure. Yes. No, I don't think they will. And, and Grant, I could also, th- th- this won't line up, but th- it was looking a little bit like, you know, if Texas got into the Big 12 championship and then lost again, they would probably find a way to get them to, face AM in a bowl game or something like that. And, and some kind of situation like that, I don't know that Texas would fire him before because then that's like two layers of turmoil. 
So I wonder if they're not going to let him ride it out and then just, just get rid of him uh, to say like, Hey, we lost a bowl and it was embarrassing and whatever Tom Herman's gone. I, um, I, I do not see a world where he is the head coach on January 1st at the university of Texas. No, no. it would be hilarious if he still was. Um, oh, I mean, and I'd enjoy that tremendously. Hashtag extend Tom, man. That's why I was kind of rooting for them to get to the big 12 championship because yeah. that would have been the funniest outcome. Uh, okay. Speaking yes. of that, Urban Meyer, obviously flying death machine, terrifying, don't want it to happen, has a non-zero probability, has a, has a pretty good probability, I'd say probably 30, 35% probability of happening. Who's the funniest person that Texas would plausibly hire? So uh, Hugh Freeze is the first person that oh came to mind. Oh my gosh, um, I haven't even thought about Hugh Freeze. That's P- delightful. P5, uh, you know, P5 experience, building a death machine at Liberty. Uh, shout out to the Big 12 diehard scrutiny. I don't remember who said it. Texas head coach Kendall Bryles um, really made me laugh. Man. Ah, Think yeah, about I it. Mean, I don't know that he could run a program, but I under, 100% feel like Texas oh, he couldn't give him a chance. He couldn't, but they if Urban turns him down and if their second choice turns him down and it gets into panic mode, I, I you know, maybe a call goes out. Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard Luke Fickle as a name, and I think that would be like a pretty decent hire if he got the right offensive yeah. coordinator. Um, I, I I've heard Herm Edwards get floated around, come in, kind of be a CEO, <laughs> make a couple of hires. Okay, that would be the funniest. Answer. Herm Edwards would be very funny. Um, I would love for them to hire another AAC coach who has been doing well. Like, I think, I think fickle is funny. I think somebody like Josh Heupel is also funny just because that would be the third in a row where Texas has been like, Hey, let's hire this AAC coach. This, this rising star is definitely the next one. Um, and, and so that to me is, is, is pretty funny overall just to say like, Hey, what could go wrong? We'll do the same thing we've done the last three hires and it hasn't worked. Um, okay. Well this, I don't know. Do you have any more thoughts on Tom, uh, Tom Herman? No, I, I've, I've, I mean, I do, I was going to say, I do, I have so many thoughts, but this is, this is, I can't say them on air. Uh, right. This is, this is not a Texas podcast. It's a TCU podcast, uh, who uh, admittedly TCU is a Texas team of Texas players, but, uh, not the, not the same kind of Texas there. So let's talk about the TCU Kansas game. So TCU goes into Kansas, goes into Lawrence, does something they have never done in Lawrence, which is wins a decisive and almost anxiety free game. TCU wins 59 to 23. They averaged a 39% success rate while holding Kansas to a 22% success rate. They uh, got two turnovers from Kansas uh, and gave up none. They averaged 27% success in the pass game, uh, a slightly positive 0.74 EPA per play and a 44% success rate in the rush game, but a, a, an exceptional positive 0.344 EPA per play. They held Kansas to 15% success on rushes, 31% success on passes, negative EPA on both of those, hilariously bad. Um, Grant, what do you make of this game? So we're going to talk about all the fun parts of this game in, in a minute, and we are, because there were some fun parts. Midway through TCU's first drive, I tweeted, TCU is going to run for 320 yards this game, and I'm going to be mad about all of them. I was 17 yards off. They ran for 337, and I was mad about all but 54 of them, which was Max Duggan's touchdown run. Um, 
Okay, well, let's. Yeah, can, man. Can I mean, we, can we explain that to a hypothetical idiot, Grant? Why? Are, here, yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna play so, dumb. Why are you so mad about TC running the ball? They're clearly showing that they're dominant. They're getting carries to their five-star freshman running back. Why? Why are you mad about them running the ball? So I'm not necessarily mad about them running the ball on principle. I'm mad about them doing it almost exclusively. They ran the ball 41 times and threw the ball 15 times, and only 11 of those throws are with Max Duggan. You're against a team where you can basically paint a blank canvas. Uh, Kansas is one of the worst teams I can remember watching. They are bad. They are awful. I have nothing good to say about them. And yet, I'll that away okay, for an off-season, star- an off-season project. Let's do the worst Power 5 team of all time because Completely this Kansas in. team probably wins that bracket, but we'll talk about it. There's got to be a Rutgers team out there. Uh, but Okay, you're running with the five-star running back. Well, kind of. Evans only got 12 carries. Kendra Miller got 11. Darwin Barlow got eight. And Barlow and Evans and Miller were all kind of effective. Maybe not Miller because he was he's, his longest carry was 12 yards and he had 11 t- uh, touches. But uh, basically, uh, the reason I'm upset about TCU's reliance on the run game is because they – didn't allow Duggan an opportunity to just make easy throws. Almost every pass of his 11 attempts were down the field. There was one screenplay that was busted, but you know, they ran plays where, you know, Evans was open on a long seam and Duggan barely overthrew him. Well, run that play again. It's Kansas. He'll be open again. And just give him an opportunity to make that throw. Darius Davis dropped the ball in the end zone. Run that play again. He'll be open and th- just right you know, allow him. Davis a chance. Exactly. And so, I was so I'm not mad, mad about- that TCU had. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm not mad that TCU had success on the ground because that's good. I'm mad that they refused to try to have success through the air as well. That's all. Yes, that that Evans. Gosh, that Evans play made me so mad because they ran it against West Virginia. Uh, I can only assume because I tweeted about it and then someone jumped in my DMs and said we've run that before and I said no, you haven't. And then they ran it against West Virginia. Um, and then he he underthrew it against West Virginia. And then they ran it against Kansas and Duggan overthrew it by a little bit. Neither of those were egregious. Yep. They were fine throws. They were just a little off. Let him dial it in, dude. I yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna this is gonna sound absolutely crazy. Bear with me. Manny Ramirez, uh, an excellent hitter. Okay. Yes. An excellent hitter. Manny Ramirez, one time for the Dodgers, didn't take batting practice, came in. Because he was off for that day, came in, took a couple swings, pinch hit in the ninth inning, hit a grand slam, walk off, everybody goes home. Like, incredible hitter. I saw Manny Ramirez when he was trying to make his comeback and he got signed by the Rangers, and he was playing uh, for the, the Round Rock Express, and he played in Memphis uh, at the Redbirds. I went and watched all three games of that series because it's Manny Ramirez in AAA. I want to see it. Grant, he hit 12 fly balls uh, that, that, over that three game series. The first game, uh, four of them were to right center field, uh, shallow, deep, and then right at the wall. The second game, he hit two of them over the wall. The third game, he hit two of them over the wall. He just practiced. I'm going to hit the ball to shallow right center field until it becomes a, a home run. And he just dialed it in. And you think about that idea of like, I know what I'm good at. I know where my sweet spot is. I'm going to figure that out. That is what excellent athletes do. That is what, you know, pitchers in baseball do. That's what, that's what, uh, Joe Burrow did with the 10,000 passes in the offseason. We heard so much when, when Joe Brady came in and they worked overall. And I don't understand why TCU doesn't see the value in those reps, even given all the other constraints about injury and personnel and, and contract tracing and all of that. 
it's still Kansas. I don't care if it's your fourth stringers. You absolutely have to get your quarterback reps to die on the ball. Grant, Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham are air raid guys. Air raid talks about like the magic rep. They talk about you have to rep a play so many times before and then, and then it works. I don't understand why they don't care about reps. It seems like That's they the do thing. not care about reps. I agree. And, you know, I, I've referenced this book before, but uh, Perfect Pass by uh, S.E. Uh, S. Gwynn, right? I think um, yeah. Leach uh, and how Mummy talk a lot about how all sometimes they just run a practice that was entirely four verts or running a practice that's entirely wide stick or whatever, and just say, hey, we're going to drill this effing play down until you get it. And look, again, this was a glorified scrimmage. Kansas was not a good team. We'll get to (laughs) Darius Davis punt return, which is the funniest play I've seen in a long time. But this is not a good team. This was a win going into this game. So just bust open the playbook, man. Do some wild stuff. You know, you're not playing for a national championship and want to hide film from your opponents. You know, win a game, score 70, and let Duggan throw for six touchdowns. I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me that they they didn't allow those reps, as you said. Well, um, I mean, the announcers said something about TCU keeping things. In the second half, the announcers were like, I'm watching with my father-in-law. Normally, I mute the game and turn on music. But I was like, okay, I'll be a normal human being, whatever we'll watch. And the announcers just infuriated me. Um, they said, in, in earnest, they said, establish the run. And uh, gosh, they said one other phrase too in earnest that just made me so unhappy. They, uh, I, I tweeted this at you, uh, not to you, at you. Uh, one of the keys to the game was get at least 200 yards on the ground. Yes. Oh for my TCU. gosh. Yeah. Yes. That, well, they showed that like TCU's 98 and two when they've rushed for 200 yards. Yeah. 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 Hashtag deep thoughts. Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> gosh. Well, anyway, so the announcer said, uh, where was I? I'm losing my train of thought. The announcer said, oh, uh, what are you, you going to do in the second half here? you think you're going to uh, hide some stuff and keep it off film for Oklahoma State? Or uh, do you think you're going to, you know, what are they going to do? And it's like, oh, I definitely I definitely keep this off uh, off the film for Oklahoma State. And it's like, dude, how little of TCU have you watched that you think they have something that they could bust out that Oklahoma State's not going to be prepared for? <laughs> right. And it's not, it's not like Oklahoma State or TCU has a new coaching staff. Right. I mean, it's it, like, this is, Gundy's been be- there since 2010. Cumbie's been there since, what, 13 or 12. And Meacham's back. He's there. In the, they've seen, we've seen this movie before. This is like one of the like, longest tenured, yeah, longest tenured matchups in the history of the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, just terrible. Um, okay, yeah. all right. So okay, do you want to talk about the good things? I was well, damn it, I was going to do that, and I was going to say, let the listener take note that I'm I'm staring us back positive. So I'm just damn taking it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It. I took your thunder. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Uh, so, Grant, this is I, I have to refer. My my heart is so full of joy. I tweeted last <laughs> week, half as a joke, half just kind of like I hope TCU beats Kansas this badly. I said. The Kansas game is a failure if Carter Ware does not get a receiving touchdown. Carter Ware has never had a receiving touchdown in his entire life. Carter Ware had two catches last year. Carter Ware has two catches this year. Carter Ware got a wheel route where he was wide open 30 yards down the field and scored a GDMF and touchdown. Amazing. Beautiful. That's one of those moments. Carter Ware scoring that touchdown is one of those moments where you just look at the sky and you think, I'm a human being and I'm alive and we're all connected and God is love. Like, it was just incredible. Just amazing. I, you know, people make a big deal about Lane Kiffin throwing his play sheet up in the air, mid touchdown or with well, the balls in the air. That's what I did when I saw that ball in the air going Carter's way. So like, is that 47? Oh my God. Our baby boy's going to do it. Our King. 
I, uh, I, I, I don't know that I'm telling stories out of school when I say this, but I just DM Carter and I chat here and there. Uh, and, uh, and I just DM'd him and said, my dude in all caps. And he said, all for you, my man at like 1am on Saturday night. I was so happy. Oh, what a King. I love him so much. Yeah, Good just, for just Carter. So I mean, Carter Ware at walk on, like worked, worked hard, plays a really oh, great role for off. Yes. I mean, we, we've talked about this and said like, hey, I wish TCU would run some different packages and that's not like to erase Carter Ware. But I will say, Grant, I would much rather have Carter Ware on the field if he's a threat to catch a wheel route than if he's just going to yeah. run block every time. Like that's incredible. Or be in the monster formation and run like a 30-yard hitch or whatever stupid thing they did <laughs> against Oklahoma. Well, well, and that's the thing. So TCU ran TCU's, okay. Max Duggan's three touchdowns were on three of my favorite plays, which were, a wheel route to Carter Ware and the Pro Wells play, the Pro which Wells is fantastic. Play that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna write about. I, I went and pulled some film this morning, and then yes. I realized I remembered a couple things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna write about that this week because I really really did like it. It's just a lazy seam, honestly. It's a lazy yeah. slant, is really what it is. And Pro Wells is just smart enough to keep running. Um, TCU ran it against Iowa State when Artavius Lynn was playing tight end, and Lynn. That was that kind of like bumbling, stumbling, rumbling in the end zone touchdown for Lynn. Mm-hmm. But Lynn didn't have the situational awareness at the time to keep running to the end zone, whereas mm-hmm. Wells did. And so it was a huge, huge play. Um, and yeah, so so three really, really nice plays. The Darius Davis kind of post that middle of the field stuff. I think Duggan's mm-hmm. really good at. I think the Evans play, they could have run again. I Honestly, this is this is a little bit like the Shewa Olanalua critique of um, – you know, why, like, why don't you play tight end and we'll get you the ball over the middle of the field. But I, I would love to see like Darwin Barlow kind of line up in that Y route and run the yeah. wheel or, or TCU ran. They, they literally only run the like three plays out of 20 personnel. It's like, Hey, line up 20 personnel and send Darwin Barlow on that wheel route. I want to see that. And right. so I, I don't know. Gosh, I got back here. Sorry. I got back here. I just feel like they could have experimented more on the things that worked and said, Hey, well, this wheel route worked. What could we do to, to throw a wrinkle in here? What could we do to kind of increase our timing? Who else might actually score a touchdown against like a competent NFL team? That's not to demean where was wide open. He made a great route. He, he did everything that was asked of him. That was awesome. I'm saying like Zach Evans could run a wheel route and that could be real dangerous. Yeah. Why aren't we practicing that? Well, it, it kind of, Lord knows, I'm not going to say the words proof of concept, but it did kind of like encourage me to say, okay, like, yes, it was with, it was against Kansas, but those routes over the middle of the field were open Evans and Wells and, and those guys. So that was kind of fun to see. Um, even if some of them didn't get completed, like the ones that uh, Davis and, uh, okay. Can, and to can Zach I Evans. say something stupid for a second? Sure. I think that was a touchdown and I'm prepared to make my case. I understand. <laughs> so I, I understand the but, ball bounce. Okay. I understand. I understand the ball when, it, but, but imagine that Darius Davis was like four yards behind, right? Mm-hmm. And say he like four or sorry, four yards behind is very vague. I, imagine that catch was happening at the end of the end zone, and Darius Davis caught the ball, took a step, landed out of bounds, took a step, fell down, and the ball bounced out. That's a touchdown because he has possession. He tapped his toe. That's all that matters. The play is over. He has possession. You gotta. You gotta. Mm, you got to complete the catch to the ground. And, and I'm only saying this halfway to be morally consistent with my Des didn't catch it take, but I, I, I don't think that's a well, touchdown. But, but Des wasn't in the end zone. So, so there's no inconsistency. Wow. If you're in the end zone and you have possession at any point in time, touchdown. I don't know yeah. if that's the letter of the law. That should be the it's spirit not. of the law. But think about, dude, think about the stupid Trey Hunt 
uh, one RIP Trey Hunt uh, touchdown against Baylor where they called his forearm in. So like he yeah. was completely out of bounds and they called a touchdown against his forearm. Okay. If that's a touchdown, Darius Davis catching the ball, tapping his foot, taking another step, hitting his shoulder and forearm on the ground is a touchdown regardless of the ball throws. Like honestly, what I would coach my receivers to do then is take two steps and throw the ball in the end zone. If you're falling, just, just chuck it, just get rid of it and be like, Hey, no, he caught it. And then he made a football move and he celebrated like, because it doesn't make sense to me from a football sense for him to, I mean, if you're in the back corner of the end zone, all you have to do is tap your feet and have possession. It's a touchdown. Yeah. And so he, he got a foot in, took another step and then fell. And then it came out and they said, no, it's not a touchdown. That just seems wildly inconsistent to me. It is a bit asinine. Can I talk about the Dare status punt return now? I've been waiting to talk about this all. You can. I will say we're going to talk about uh, Max Duggan. That uh, that counts as a touchdown for Max Duggan. I'm I'm treating this entirely as that was a an excellent ball by Max Duggan. That that goes to his stats. He has an extra 46 yards and a touchdown in my mind. Fair enough. Um, I'm talking about the most hilarious TCU football play in a very long time. Yes, I'm looking for a dog, by the way. And if I get one, I'm going to name it Max Doggin. Um, Max so, Doggin. Um, yeah. Uh, so the Darius Davis punt return touchdown, I was on the phone with my dad right after they Kansas snapped the ball over the quarterback's head the first time. It was fourth and 33 from near the goal line. And my TV is, is run through my internet. Um, I have AT&T TV. So my, my, uh, my feed is about 15 seconds slower than TV uh, for other people. And I was on the phone with my dad, and he's laughing. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I thought he was laughing about the fumbled snap. Let me watch this punt return. And, I'll, I'm, and he goes, okay. Parker, they were jogging, Kansas was. They were walking at points. It was the – as soon as he caught the ball, I knew it was going to be a touchdown because Kansas showed no interest in tackling Darius Davis. There's this Twitter poll going around, like, could you complete a pass in the NFL? Uh, no, me, neither I nor you could. But we could have gotten 15 yards on that kick return or punt return. I am almost positive. That is the least amount of effort I've ever seen from an opposing team. And I, I, I watched it three times back to back because I was astonished by how little Kansas cared in trying to stop Darius Davis on that punt return. Credit to him for scoring, but oh my God, it was awful. It was so bad. It, the, the, the thing that kind of caught my eye there because I was on a real Carter Ware high was Carter Ware made like the only block. And honestly, he necessary. Went in, yeah, he went in to hit the guy, and he just kind of collided with him. And the Kansas defender was like, "Nah, man, it's cool, it's fine." <laughs> <laughs> it's it unbelievable. Like I, like again, credit to Darius Davis, but that was the funniest freaking punt return because it, it was a line drive kick. It went thirty-seven yards, and he walked into the end zone. It was beautiful, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. It was hilarious. Yeah. And see, that is why TCU special teams, according to West Virginia, is the unit to watch. Specifically, their punting game, man. Just they move exactly. the ball. Um, yeah. So uh, other things I noticed in the game that I think are funny, um, but you know, four out of five starting linemen had pass block grades of seventy-seven or better. We saw Garrett Hayes. We saw Altreek Barlow. We saw Tyler Guyton. That's that's bad because that means that TCU was that thin at the line. But it is cool. All three of those guys should start next year. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really really high on Garrett Hayes. I'm excited. Those to see him. three and Steve, and then uh, figure out the the other guy. So so I think yeah. I think there's there's potential for a really really fun if inexperienced offensive line next year. So those guys getting a game reps is always good to reward them for you know staying diligent and working hard while they're redshirting effectively. Um, 
Uh, other things I looked at, TCU only converted three of 11 third downs. So that was 27%. Uh, they're only at 36% on third downs on the season. They were 47% last year, Grant. Um, so just just kind of, they, they, aren't, they aren't even extending drives. So their offense overall is about the same, except that they're just not, they don't have that kind of third down extended drive ability, which is um, uh, a little bit crazy uh, to me overall. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about, let's save Max to the end. Do you want to talk about the defense? Uh, sure. I, I think, um, Okay. Let's talk about CJ Caesar. And again, we're not going to bury a college kid. Let's evaluate his performance. I have our he definitive. Was getting, can I can I jump in on our definitive take on this and then let you do the football analysis? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. In the office, uh, Charles Miner gets hired and Michael Scott is uh, unhappy with getting micromanaged. And he starts mm-hmm. the Michael Scott Paper Company. And at the very yeah, beginning, broke is the best episode of the office. By yes. the, way, the, the end of the Michael Scott paper. Uh, I don't think it's the best episode, but it's very good. I enjoyed it. And, um, and, and things aren't going well. And Pam gets a cutaway and she looks and she says, when a kid gets behind the wheel of a car and crashes it into a telephone pole, you don't blame the kid. You blame the 30 year old woman who got in the front seat and said, drive kid. All I'm saying is CJ Caesar is a victim of circumstance and he probably won't see the field after 2020. And so that's that's not a referendum on like him as a person or trying hard or working ethic or whatever. I'm just saying there is no world where anyone foresaw TCU being that injured and depleted at cornerback. And so I don't blame CJ Caesar for anything, but man, he is bad. You know, you used that exact analogy earlier this season for Matt Downing. I'm okay with that. I think those are equivalent. <laughs> I, I think, think you set it up the same way. Those situations are exactly the same, <laughs> I, where it's just like, you just can't, bl- I just look, Matt, like, Matt, you're you're bad. That's fine. I'm bad too. Uh, you, we're bad in different ways. You're less bad than me in many, in like in, in the relevant ways for, for football, but like, I'm not going to yell at Matt Downing. I'm not going to yell at CJ Caesar. You like, he did no. some stupid stuff. He was like fighting against West Virginia and I can yell at you for being an idiot there. But like, yeah, man. I mean, also Luke, Luke Grimm, is it Grimm or Grimes? I can't remember that Kansas. Uh, receiver, don't ask me, man. That Kansas receiver is a dude. Yeah, uh, he is. He, he is. is. He also, is Miles of- Kendrick, surprisingly decent. The quarterback was humming balls. Yeah, I think, I think Kansas knew he could do that, but just kind of thought like, Jalen Daniels is our long-term answer and then said, ah, we're going to, we're going to put that on hold for now. So, um, yeah, yeah. He was, he was slinging the rock a little bit and was, I think, I think the biggest thing about Kendrick was the confidence. Like Grant, I don't don't like to talk about intangibles and, you know, non-quantifiables, like for instance, stones, but the stones you have to have to be Kansas's backup quarterback or rather the starting quarterback who's lost the job, who is now the third quarterback coming back into the game and say like, nah, man, we're going to throw the ball around. I admire that. I think that's great. I do too. Um, you know, every, every single one of T- Kansas's touchdowns came with mitigating circumstances. Uh, and so like, I can explain that away. I don't know. They, they held on to, you know, TCU held Kansas to 1.92 points per drive. Like, that's fine. It's fine. That's it wasn't fine. great. They had 18 drives. Kansas had 18 drives and they scored three, four times. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, we should say one other thing on CJ. Uh, good on you, man. Pick six. Cool. Made the play. Read the route, yeah. took it to the house. Cool. 
Good. I'm glad he was able to do that. Uh, I was enthused by the pass rush. Again, this is Kansas we're talking about here, but they were active in the backfield. You're giving me the look that it was bad, and I don't understand that, but well, Kansas started like three true freshmen. Like they were okay. I get that, but you know, okay. Listen, they did their job at least. I think so, and and I think I think the thing I'm most excited about that is just like I just want to. Here's another one I've used. I've used. I'm, I I gotta I gotta I gotta consume more media. Evidently, you, you watch another show, as they say. It's not The Office, um, but uh, did Lord of the Rings? No, I, I wasn't a fan of Peter Jackson's rendition, so you can put that one on hold. Really. Um, no, that was just a really deep track Parks and Rec quote. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, so, okay. The, the, the thing I'm thinking of that I've used before, I'm sure, is Cool Runnings, where yeah, yeah, he takes yeah, him to the yeah, elevator yeah. and he's like, what do you see? I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no lip from anybody or whatever. And I just want to like look Oshan Mathis in the eyes and get him to say that. So he'd be like, dude, you had a bad late year last year. I understand. Like that sucks. And it, and Shamik Blackshear should have been really good and freed you up to kind of be this underrated haymaking kind of guy. And you didn't get that opportunity. Fine. You're still a badass. You can still be a D one defensive end who is really good. Believe that and do that. And so I think that's really, that's the biggest thing I took away from the Kansas game is like, if he gets, if he gets confident in himself and just says like, no, I'm an edge rusher. That's, that's a net positive for TCU. Uh, I'll, I'll offer the same analogy or, or uh, an analogy on the same thing. Uh, there's an old SNL skit with uh, Michael Jordan was the guest host. And I think Al Franken was playing like a life coach and he had a uh, Michael Jordan look in the mirror and kind of the same thing. He goes, I'm good enough. I don't have to be great on the football field. I'm great at what I am right now. People like me. And that's what we need to hear. That's what O'Shawn Mathis needs to hear. I'm good enough. You know, I just got to go yeah. out there and be me. I got to be O'Shawn. And that's like, he has every physical ability to do the task. He's not like a non-cerebral player. Like I, he, you know, he, he fits well into the defense. Like I, I, I am not at all giving out hope that O'Shawn um, won't be like a really, really good player uh, next year or his other year. Um, other notes on the defense, Wallow finished with the highest grade per PFF, uh, which is weird. Cause you and I both talked about how he kind of got bodied by Thomas McVitie, which was not a fun sign. Um, I, I, I thought that was foreboding and it, it just turned to be a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. It was a one-off. Yeah. No, it looked no, like it played. hurt both of them though. Like it looked, it looked like it, it, was, yeah. it was pretty rough. Yeah. Mary got burned once, which was dark. Um, good to see Bud Clark get some action. Didn't really get rated that high, but I I'm really, really high on Bud Clark and I hope he, um, you know, uh, you know, if he gets reps next week, that's probably a bad sign, but I want to see him more. So take the good with the bad there. Um, and, and overall, Mo- I mean, Wallow led the team with five pressures, and we've seen earlier this yeah. season kind of Wallow get get kind of uh, rendered moot on yes. the pass rush, and so he was getting there. And so again, I, I think that's great. He had five pressures on five rushes. Can we start is, the Garrett Wallow comeback for twenty twenty one campaign? Oh, I've already got signs made. If you want to help me put them yeah, up, yeah, that's around great. The we'll, area. We'll, okay. we'll we'll do a meeting and 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 get that okay. going. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll call my treasurer. Um, we'll we'll get donations. Um, do you want to talk about Max? Yes. Because I, yeah, okay. Hold, hold me to this, Parker, um, and fire me if I don't do this. Later this week, I'm going to have an analysis on Duggan's running touchdowns against single high safeties because he sees that and takes off up the daggum middle and he's confident in himself to beat the, the final safety. And like three or four times this year, he's done exactly that. 
How and good does it have to feel to be like, how good does it have to feel to see single high, know that you're going to do like QB power or a draw or whatever, and just be right. like, F that guy particularly. Like, I can <laughs> right, exactly. him, I'm going to score a touchdown here. Because Duckett is so sneaky fast, man. Like, that's... He's the yeah. Council Bluffs Comet. Um, and, and, okay. I'm going to clarify this broadly because I just saw this all over. I, like, shadow blocked a bunch of people this weekend because it was really annoying. Stefan Brown's offensive coordinator was, like, saying shit to me in the mentions it's been a bad Twitter's a bad place generally. Uh, and so all I'm going to do is clarify this and be like, it would be super nice if TCU had like a magic weapon backup quarterback who was better than max and would do better than max given the circumstances. It would be super nice if max Duggan was hurt and we could explain like, Oh, well, you know, Sonny Cumbie is a great genius and max Duggan's just like limping around. And that's why, that's why things aren't going well. Um, it would be nice if there's some kind of like monocausal conspiracy behind all this. And there's, there's not, uh, there is, there is just kind of this entire environment contributing to Max Duggan being a gamer. Who's unafraid to use his legs. TCU having an awful offensive line. Uh, the offensive coordinators not trusting Duggan to make the kind of throws they think he needs to be making and Duggan not trusting himself to make the kind of throws he wants to be making. So you have all these things working around that are just kind of saying like, Max Duggan in no way, shape, or form is being set up for success, and he's still pretty good, uh, which which I think is 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 pretty interesting overall. So like, he he you know converted uh, three of eleven. Uh, no no not, yeah no three of three of eleven passes. I'll say four of eleven passes. Um, he was, if you count the Davis drop, which was a perfectly on target, and I can't fault him for that. Four for five on balls ten yards down the field. Um, and he only had two attempts in front of the line of scrimmage less than 10 yards. Grant, TCU, TCU, the, 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 the king of behind-the-line passes, uh, one, one attempt behind the line of scrimmage. I can't even formulate like a coherent thought there because I'm just so baffled by like, I just don't understand over and over again. There are so many plays that work really, really well, and TCU doesn't go back to them. TCU doesn't give Duggan an opportunity to dial in that, that long throw. Um, to, to Evans, which I think could be a really dangerous weapon. TCU has shown no interest in getting Duggan the opportunity to say like, hey, here's a couple of three, four, five yard passes that aren't going to be huge game breakers, but are going to kind of get you going, which is something everyone in, in the world does except TCU for some reason. Yeah, I agree. I, I Yeah, I have nothing else. I, I thought this was the part where we talked nice, so I didn't prepare anything for that, but yes. No, yeah, and we can we can say nice thing. Like I I think Duggan Duggan had an eighty point seven grade on the passes that he threw from Pro Football Focus, which is the highest of his season. He just yeah. wasn't asked to do anything, and it's it's at this point like I'm. This is beyond old man shouts at cloud. Like I don't even know if there's a meme for this. Uh, but like yeah, I don't know what no, else I, I can know. say about like at some point, and I think we're seeing this, like your, your decisions about how you develop your quarterback are going to matter. And I think Max Duggan's ceiling has been substantially lowered willfully by, by TCU's decisions on how they run their offense and what they ask him to do. I completely agree. I think that's a good way to put it. I think that, you know, you, you think of the good, the really, really good college quarterbacks in the past, and they've all kind of had highlight games against bad opponents, right? I remember I saw Johnny Manziel against Sam Houston State I want to say Rice, maybe. And I was like, wow, this is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Or, you know, uh, other teams that just beat up on small, like Trevor Lawrence, dicing up whoever, some like Syracuse or whatever. 
Um, although Syracuse always plays Clemson close, but um, Duggan ha- was not given that opportunity against Kansas. That's the thing. And I'm not saying Duggan's in those guys' class, but we'll never know because he's not given the opportunity to throw six touchdowns or do whatever. And that's very frustrating. Well, and it's even crazier to me, Grant, because like I'm pulling up right now, Kansas TCU from 2019, where TCU won 51 to 14. And against Kansas last year. But they played three quarterbacks in that game. For for whatever reason, Duggan was allowed to, you know, he went eight for 11, 100 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, they let Alex Dalton throw 15 passes against against Kansas, and they, they I, I I just don't understand. I just don't understand what you think about your program going forward. That hey, let me make sure I get Matt Downing some reps, and he's going to hand the ball to a Mary Darmacardo, De Mercado. Like, I I really hate being so negative about an individual player, and and De Mercado has been like fine, and he's been a great you know, kind he of laid a guy out option he did. And he's run some routes and that's been good. But like, we've been hearing about 2021 for so long. You're not setting yourself up for it. You're going to come in and you know what? You're going to drop one or two stupid games and say like, ah, it's an inexperienced team. And it didn't freaking have to be. No, I agree. I agree. I know. I know. I've gotten myself angry, Grant. <laughs> say something nice about Max Duggan right now. One sentence. His hair, his hair looked very red on the broadcast. He, you know, it's kind of been borderline ginger. You know, I'm the I'm the sole gatekeeper there, and I think mm. I think he's fully into the redheaded club uh, based on what I saw. He's he's uh, the red rifle part two. Speaking you know, of that, just, do you want to uh, do you want to talk about the thing that got tweeted the still of him and Zach Evans? Did you see this? I did see that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of memes, a lot of jokes. Uh, you know, I like to think he was telling Zach, screw, uh, I'll, I could do it myself on the ground, you know? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any lingering, uh, you know, d- discord there or whatever, but yeah, not great. No, not great. Grant, I'm cackling right now. I'm leaving in this podcast. I don't care. I just got a DM 99 okay. and eight when rushing for over 200 yards. That direct message was just sent to me. I'm furious. Well, he's not right. <laughs> the person who said that is not wrong. Hashtag technically the truth. Um, I'm going to go jump in front of a train. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why does he have so much time to talk to random people on the internet? God. Okay. TCU goes to Kansas. <laughs> Zach Evans is a really good running back. I think he he kind of mitigates some some rushing issues. TCU should have a really good rushing team, uh, r- rushing game plan. And if they, opponents give on, you a light on. box, Zach Evans should be able to run over them. So I'm I'm happy about that. Did why hire an air raid guy? I I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm I'm at the point here. It's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. If you want to run the ball, run the ball. Make Jerry kill your OC. Run I formation. Fine. Do it. I don't care. Like commit to something, something at this point, any offensive ideology is better than whatever this is. You know how people are like America's a melting pot and that that's what is makes it, you know, awesome and all that. Be careful. Be careful. Well, I intentionally right there didn't say, didn't say a specific word because I was not trying to advocate for that, but you're like, Oh, America's a melting pot and diversity. We all have these different traditions and they come together and they work really, really well. That's not how college football offense works. Like you can't just be like, oh, let me just take a little bit of all these things and then throw them in there and whatever comes out is great. You have to commit to something. And and TCU is not committing to anything. 
I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm treading lightly. Yes, I agree. It's I agree. so frustrating. Huh. Well, okay. I could stare into the, I could stare into this sky and, and muse about this for hours, but you know, T, look, TC one, that's great. This is a year that, that, you know, we started out with potentially thinking that Matt Downing was going to be our quarterback for all nine games. Um, we didn't lose to SMU when we could have had, uh, and it looks like, uh, American conference scheduling means that TC was not going to have to play SMU this year. So we can kind of count our, our, uh, blessings there. Um, I will say I did see the latest bowl projection has TCU in the armed forces bowl, which I think is going to happen yeah. uh, playing Houston. Yes. I would almost rather draw a Mac school than play any one of the American conference, especially Houston. I just, I, yes. I do not, not want to play a Texas team in a bowl. I want to play a random team that if we win, no one cares. And if we lose, we can forget about very easily. Yes, I completely agree. Instead, we'll play Houston and, well, we will see. Indeed, we will. Well, we'll be back on Wednesday to preview Oklahoma State um, and kind of look at, you know, this is Patterson-Gundy round nine. So there's a lot of history here. Gundy's turned over coordinators really, really frequently. TCU's pretty much had the same coordinators uh, this entire matchup. So we'll kind of Forever. talk about patterns and how that works uh and get in depth on that i sent out a newsletter this morning that was just notes and numbers because i'm at my in-laws and i have a uh renowned vigor for writing and uh having excuses to work and so i'll be continuing to send some of those things uh out this week grant will have um his his recap and then some max duggan running versus one high kind of scheme breakdown so again we've got great content we're really excited to wrap up the regular season um and then and then kind of go from there so uh, like and subscribe, purpletheory.com, purpletheory.substack.com. Follow Grant on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. And follow me at Twitter at Stats War. Uh, other than that, we will be back here on Wednesday. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.